0: Welcome to Mom, You Got This. I'm your host, Erica Ryder. Mom, author, and special needs warrior. I created this podcast because I am you. I know the triumphs and challenges of raising a child with special needs. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to have hope. Even though this special journey has its ups and downs, know that I am right here with you. I want you to know that Sometimes, it's okay not to be okay. Each episode meets you where you are and gives you practical steps to move from where you are to where you want to be. Mom, you got this.
1: So Erica, tell us a little bit about My Sister's Keeper. What's the book about and what inspired you to write it? Wow, great question. Um, my Sister's Keeper was
0: inspired by, actually my two daughters, actually, I call them my two heartbeats. And it really is a um, where that came from. In, let me think, it was probably about 20, July, 2015, to be exact. And uh, and that was the year, actually, the summer before Taryn was getting ready to graduate uh, in in the next May of 2016. And just think about all the time, um, energy, meetings, everything leading up to this point. Um, just realizing, I, I really was like, "Wait a minute, she's getting ready to graduate." So this was Taryn getting ready to graduate from high school, and it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks was like, okay, all of this time, these last 12, no, it was more than 12 years, like 14 years of schooling. And this is getting ready to come to an end. And even though this is what you're working towards, when the reality hit, it was like, wait a minute. And I remember this kind of hot rush just came over me. And I was like, wait a minute. My life has been this. My life has been in school. My life has been doing this. And she's getting ready to leave and I'm like I could not have done all of this, learned all of this to do now what? And I really think it was probably an identity thing for me because I've always been her mother, the advocate. And God gave he just says, "No, it wasn't for you." I said, "I we could not have learned all of this just for us and then for her to be gone." And just God just said, no, it it, it wasn't. It wasn't for you to learn. It is now for you to go and help others. And literally, he gave me that, gave me, and there's a scripture that he gave also, and the scripture is Hebrews 13, 16. And it says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I'd never looked at the scripture before. And that was him telling me, you got all this, and now you got to help others. So that's really what inspired. And then I thought about my sister's keeper. That's what he gave is then I thought about my youngest daughter, our youngest daughter, Maya. And she literally is her sister's keeper because of all that she has done with her and what she does. But then also thinking about that Maya, because of her, and she's my regularly able daughter, because of her, she's going to, at some point, have to take care of her sister. So it was kind of a twofold type of thing. But that's how the book was inspired, and that's how it got started. But that's the, yeah. And just a practical, very easy way for parents, and spe- specifically moms, to be able to uh, navigate this world of
1: special needs advocacy. So what was your experience before Taryn's birth? Or did you have any experience with children who were differently abled? Honestly, I would probably
0: say no. Like we have, we have a cousin. Like when I thought about special needs, our our cousin, our young cousin, that when we would go to our family reunions and uh, Co- Co- Odie is her name, And, um, that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it kind of from afar. So it wasn't, um, and I think with that, and then I do think with, um, when I worked at Blue Cross in North, in New Jersey, um, I would, uh, the March of Dimes. So that was just one of the organizations that I started to, um, donate to and also walk. So I think just kind of, and it wasn't because I had a particular person that I knew of, it was just a, uh, I thought a very worthwhile um, organization. So I had started walking years before Taryn was born, but that kind of was probably my, my, probably the most uh, that I knew
1: about. So for your young cousin, you probably, since you said it was young cousin and at a distance, so you probably didn't have a lot of, um, close information about what it was like raising them and kind of like what Odie did you say Odie Odie yeah Odie's needs were right so in a very um distant way you recognize that there were children who had special needs but you knew nothing when Taryn was born and then what so then you know nothing Taryn is born and what happens (laughs) and then I'm like
0: Oh my God. <laughs> so Taryn was born at So we were just literally, my husband, and I, we were just literally thrust into this because Taryn was born three months premature. And uh, so, you know, as a new, we were married five years before we, you know, decided to have children. So, you know, you have you look at other parents or your family and, you know, you have these ideas about, oh, this is what the child's going to be like. And, you know, all of the things you're planning and, oh, the room is going to look like this and we're going to do this. And, we're going to have little matching outfits. And you have this idea, this, like, everything's going to be just fine. You see it on the news, you see it, all the cuteness, you see the, dr- and that's what my, I walked into thinking and my pregnancy was absolutely literally perfect. I had no morning sicknesses. I I mean, literally picture perfect.
1: There are women all over the world hating you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you'd like to know that there are women well, all over <laughs> listening to you talk about this perfect pregnancy with no morning right. sickness and they are hating you right now.
0: Yes. No morning sickness. No, nothing. Literally and I get to 27 weeks. I mean, you know, doctor's appointments and all of that, literally. it uh, And then this was a year that I actually went to the, uh, it was actually 96, uh, the Olympics. And I went to the Olympics, was excited about the Olympics, was pregnant. So I always say, Taryn, my husband, and we were all at the Olympics together. I'm like, Taryn, you were there. You were there. Um, I get back home from the uh, the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. Um and have a doctor's appointment and uh, just a regular doctor's appointment. I remember my outfit, everything. I, <laughs> I remember that the cutest little overalls, little red and white Zoom uh, shirt, had the matching white Nikes with the little red swoosh. Perfect. Three o'clock appointment, everything came back and I'm at the doctor's appointment. And uh, so actually, they were just, you know, checking and uh, everything, you know, I'm thinking everything's good. And I'm laying on the, you know, sitting there and the technician, the radio, actually radiologist was checking the baby. And uh, so all of a sudden I'm looking, I'm just laying back chilling. And then I'm looking at her, then I looked at her face. So I could tell something was going on by her face, but she was trying to be like, you know, not. Um, So just to hasten on, um, they had realized there was a lot of fluid or what they call protein had dropped and so there was an indication that, okay, you got something going on. So I go from my three o'clock appointment thinking I'm going to go home to that night being admitted into the hospital. And that's where, you know, prior to that, nothing, you know, nothing had happened bad. Um, Yeah, so that, that and actually, I guess the appointment was August 29th, 1996, because that night she was born.
1: And, uh, so- yeah. Kind of what resources were there available for you or how did you, how does one thrust into a new situation like that, find out what to do for their baby with special needs? Because as you said, you had prepared, assuming that everything was going to go exactly to the letter, like you had written it down on a piece of paper. So suddenly that is not your story. So what did you do first?
0: So Taryn was in the hospital for three months. I, you're in shock. You're in shock because you're normal. You're just in absolute shock. And I was in shock. We were in, and so we're just, you switch from this idea and now you're hanging on to life. Your daughter's hanging on to life. And literally, I have to say I was in shock for those times because then I go home without her. That does, that's not normal. You know, so that mm. so during the time of being home, how did I figure out what to, there was no books. There were no, there was nobody to ask. There was I there was nobody to ask. I, I didn't know anybody. Did you Google? And there was no Google back then like that. This is 20- <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Aaron's 25. We barely had a cell phone, <laughs> literally.
1: Okay. We, Sorry, so, showed right. my age there. I'm like, did you Google? Did you just spend all no. day on Yahoo and Google? What is it? Remember Ask Jeeves? Did you ask Jeeves?
0: <laughs> so no, you have to understand, even the night she was born, my my, there was not a cell phone. I think we may have had a cell phone. Maybe that's some the big, big one. I don't know. But literally they had to do an emergency breakthrough on the phone to our home to tell my husband because he had went home to get my stuff to come on back. So no, there was nothing like that. How did I, literally there wasn't any information. So what, how did I, this is a great question. I'm sitting, come home and I just start reading, going to the library, magazines, yeah. And then, yeah, had to really think back. How did I do this? Trial and error, doing what I felt best. Listen to the doctors. So I, yeah, she had a really great doctor, you know. So her, um, Lord, what is his name? I can't remember his name. He was really good. So between a lot of the information was from the doctors, and then of course with all of her needs because with her born uh, so small. She had to have, you know, at some point, occupational therapy and physical therapy. So my first teachings was actually from the literature, literature at the hospital and then going to her appointments. So that's where I would start learning that information. Yeah, I wrote the book because there was no information out there. It was like piecemeal. I would learn it from the, you know, this pamphlet here and this pamphlet there and, And just all of that. So I'm sitting there like, okay, I don't, all of this, I need to to do better for the people that come after me that have preemies and that has special needs. And that is exactly why I wrote the book. Just that it was hard. It was really hard. You know, as new parents of this little person that we had no idea like what to do, we felt Number one, we just had such love for her that she was here because it was just it was touch and go for both of us. We both, yeah, we both were we both were going, so that we survived. We both survived literally, and I'm not just saying that because they got uh, in delivering her. Um, I went into Code Blue, and uh, so we both were going, and so literally. So, to be so thankful that this child is alive, we, how we as parents, dealt with this new little person that has special needs that you don't really understand what they are at the time. And that's one of the things the doctors shared with you, don't know what all of that is. So, we just knew that we were her mother and her father, and we were the best people to take care of her. And nobody else understood our situation, but the two of us, we were beyond afraid. We were lonely. We didn't, we felt as parents, I would not say that we felt lonely because we had such a good support system, overwhelmed, most definitely. Um, Financially, it was difficult because I came out of work too early. We had not planned. She was three months early. So I was not, all that was not planned. So it was extremely, it was extremely hard. Scared. You know, we were scared at times, but our faith in God is what really (laughs) helped us. We just knew we had to do this together. And it, it was, it was tiring. It was tiring. But what we, you know, we really had this kind of great rhythm that when one of us was emotionally up and the other one was down, we just kind of filled in and helped one another. Um, we taught our family members because again, they tried to help us as best as they could, but we taught them how to love us and love her and help us because it's different. You know, they have their idea from a, you know, a regularly abled child, but it's different. So they had, um, and each of our family members actually had to, before she even came home, they actually had to be trained in CPR because Taryn had seizures and stuff. So they had to, that was very scary for them. It's like, we got to do this. Like, yep, you guys got to learn all of that. So even though it was overwhelming, we learned that we had to do this. We had no choice. We had to do this.
1: So with your history of kind of jumping into this with both feet, you and your husband understanding that this is what we're going to do. This is what we got to do and figuring that out. What then made you decide, you know what? I need to put this in a book to help others. You know, what made me decide
0: to write this was when Taryn got to the point that she's getting ready to graduate from high school. And I'm like, okay, all of this that we have learned, researched, felt, cried about, laughed about, fell over about, all of that, we're like, we're at the end of the road. And I'm like, oh, this cannot just be for us. And it wasn't. And I'm like, all of this culmination of everything we have learned, I'm like, I got to put this into, put it all together to help a parent that I know, parents that I know are going to just walk in our shoes and there. And the thing, just like with anything else, until you know, it's out there and until you identify, like buy, you know, like a car, when you're going to buy that, uh, you know, particular car, then you all of a sudden see that car all the time. You don't realize how many special needs parents are out there until you have a child and then they illuminate to you. And I'm like there's we have learned so much and put my heart into so much and that's why I wrote the book. Where is there like
1: a is there a critical time in the baby's life for you to start getting your arms around some of this? Obviously as soon as possible, but is there like a a really important time in the child's development that parents with children with special needs really need to dig in? I think, you know,
0: even though the, when they're small and infants in the hospital and all that's very important, but that transition when they are now getting ready to get out of your, the care of you 24-7, they're getting ready to walk into this world. So elementary school is pivotal, absolutely pivotal. And that's when I'm realizing, okay, because now the world, and even though when they get into elementary schools and depend upon the child's abilities, they may be what they call mainstreamed or pull out, you know, different categorizations uh, depending upon your child's ability. But that's then where they're with other people, other students, other kids that aren't special needs kids. It's their introduction into this world. So elementary school I found so pivotal because that's where, again, you thrust, your thrust as a parent into this brand new world that you just had no clue about. There are meetings. There are specialists. There are special ed teachers. There's just so much. And that's really the I would say that's the foundation of your advocacy because that's where you really are. You're starting to really advocate for what is it that I need for my child, and that's really it's it's really foundational because you're telling the school system, even though they're there to assist you, you're letting them know, and you're you're learning your voice too as a parent because now you're like, okay, we've gone through all this, uh, you know, infant this, and that. Now it's like you are now their voice. You're their voice and you have to speak for them and you have to speak for their needs. And you have to, it's literally almost like talking two languages at the same time when you're advocating for your your child. And you have to know, and then one thing I would say with parents, one of the main things, yes, you have specialists, you have the special ed teacher, you have all that. Oh, that's your child. You know your child. And yes, they have, they may have a diagnosis that you don't fully understand and what it means and what it's going to mean in the future, but you know your child. And so it's so important to give that voice And to work with this, it's really a collaboration with the teachers and the specialty. It's really a team. It's so it's it is just so important that this team, because it starts out like that. And that team and that way that you do that from elementary all the way through high school, it's just this team that you guys, the center of it is your child, but it's this team that you guys gotta do this thing together. And sometimes as parents, you walk in again, you don't know this is you're like, oh my God, you know, whatever your child's diagnosis is, whatever it is, yes, you have doctors and specialists. So they know the technicalities of all that. But when you need something and when you learn and then, you know, as a parent, your voice, especially in school is very powerful. So the great thing with um, really working well with the teachers and being involved. And you gotta, you gotta show up and you gotta be involved and you got to talk about these things together. But also your team when you got a good teaching team, your teachers, they also know, hey, if you need this done, I'm gonna feed you what to say, but this is what you need to say, how you need to say it, and who you need to say it to, because a parent's voice, especially in element in elementary school and in public schools. Let me just put a plug real quick for public schools. I know many times parents with special needs kids may be thinking, oh, let me put them in private, private school. Public school because every child is, is supposed to get a free education. And that is where all of the resources are that you can demand that things happen. So for instance, there were times where Taryn, um, yeah, we definitely was in elementary school, so I have a funny story got to tell this story, so we would be they call them the i e p individual educational plan meetings, um where you basically set out your goals for your child and you got the whole team you got you know these meetings, and it's the teacher, it's you, it's the parents, it's all the specialists, so it's usually a team of if it's you Isaac and I, and then you probably got about six or seven other people that are the professionals. That can be very intimidating. And I'm telling you as parents, you got, and that's where you learn to get your voice because you're like, well, they're the professionals. And yeah, but you're still the parent. So you learn to kind of speak up. So that's where back to where my confidence, you know, raises because you can demand pretty much anything. And again, the demand not being belligerent, but you know, they're only seeing your kid, you know, how many hours during the day. You're like, but I need this. But one of the funny examples when we came to um, North, uh, when she started elementary school at her second school down here, you know, the whole thing was like, oh, you know, we want all the kids in this, you know, the special needs kids, um, you know, to feel apart, you know, to feel because you the inclusive, you'll hear that statement of inclusive, you know, inclusivity and you want them inclusive uh, to be a part. So, um, because the the thought is if you put all kids with different abilities all together, that's fine, but you really want to have, you want to stretch them. So when they see other, you know, mainstream children, that's kind of what helps to push them and stuff and you can learn things. So her school was, they said that, you know, like, Oh, we, you know, believe in, you know, you know, having them be apart, this and that. But then the special needs class was out in a trailer that was across the parking lot. So I'm like, Hmm. (laughs) so of course I brought that up like yeah if you guys what you're saying and what you're doing are two different things now Tara and I we came down this was we we you know we came into that existence that's what they were used you know that's the way it was set up well when Isaac and I got here it was like yeah no that's not going to work and um we're at a meeting like yeah and (laughs) I was like no that that's not gonna work at all you guys are saying you want them to be inclusive and you have them going out across the parking lot. And my daughter, she can walk fine, but just kids in, in wheelchairs that you're saying, oh. So we did not let up at all. So talk about, and that was probably my first advocacy voice, like, oh, there's power. Because by within the next couple of months, what used to be the teacher's lounge that was inside the building, that's right across from the gym, no, right across from the cafeteria, was the new classroom for the special needs children. So that was my first point to know, oh, our voice matters. And again, you can't go in there acting crazy, (laughs) but you go in and uh, you state what needs to happen.
1: Do you think that the competence and the boldness that you have developed over time as you learned how to be an advocate for your child has translated into changing how you show up in your career.
0: It's a good question. I think my confidence—it's a—it's a combination of things. <laughs> it's a combination of um, my upbringing and my beloved mother. That her uh, one thing she always says is, "If uh, just speak up." That was her thing. Speak up. You, you just definitely have to speak up. So that is how we were taught and don't say what you can't do. So those are two lessons. And my mother's like, you speak up, speak up for what you want. And she not only said it, she modeled, She emulated that. She modeled that. Um, and then it has transcended to how I, I operate in my work. Definitely. So in I think ways? it's a combination um again to just really ask for what it is you want ask for what it is you need um and also speaking up for others the other big thing it has taught me is that when you were speaking up for you you're also speaking up for others so and that's a that's a that's a calling you know that's the thing Isaac and I learned we you know we knew that and we we learned that early on that, yeah, we were in there, we were, we, we were in there jumping in there with, with, uh, with Taryn, and it's funny, the combination, now, my husband Isaac was a big guy, he was a big, big, burly guy, but very gentle, but we would go, it was almost like good, no, it was like good cop, good cop in there, they would look at him, because they were like, oh, he getting ready to roll, he'd be the most silent one, and I'm the, like, talker, and, but when he did say something, it was very pointed, very to the point, and then that was it. <laughs> so, his so, presence, it shall be, so it shall be written, so <laughs> it shall be done. Yes. So, so his presence and my voice, we were like a, we were, we were a mega team. And when we, you know, think about that, you know, God rest his soul, we said we did that really well. And uh, we used to always joke and say that they probably had, a, we felt like Bonnie and Clyde, the Bonnie and Clyde advocacy, advocacy team. And we always said, yeah, they probably got a picture of us poster downtown uh, at the uh, Durham school.
1: <laughs> but Watch out um, for these two.
0: Right. And so, but, you know, it is something, you know, just with that, when she graduated, the, um, you know, the director, the executive director of, um, you yeah, know, the, the um, they call it, well, the executive director of the Exceptional Children's Department during um, Dr. Bell. She was at the graduation. She says, one thing I can remember about you, and they got thousands of kids. She says, you were the biggest advocate. She says, I will always remember that about you.
1: And uh, we were. Okay. So why elementary school? If I, why is it so important to really lock in at this point in your child's development?
0: Wow, Um, you know, when I think back and I think about elementary school and her going through that, it is just really so foundational for what's to come because you think she's starting off in school and for the next 12 or 14 years, this is what's going to be her life, and it just really just like with anything you gotta set the foundation is just really solid because you're going to be it's like a building block you 're going to be building upon it, and it just really sets you up for really success in the future, so you really gotta make sure just like building the house you gotta just make sure that it's solid and um and it just gives you as you're you kind of get this bit of resilience and even when things come your way, kind of like you never, I never felt like I got knocked down. Some things may hit their decisions, kind of made a sway, you know, but we kind of just came on back up. And then just as a team, as I said before, Isaac and I, we were really good partners in not just parents, we were partners. It's because then some days I'm up, he's just like down and then vice versa. But we, we always were in the game together. So just this really determination to just stay with it, stick with it. And, and I continued to, you know, even as a single mom, you know, building this all up, is just gave me such determination that, um, you know what, I'm an advocate. That's, that's, that's what I am. I'm an advocate. And this is, um, you do this stuff. There's nothing I won't say. There's nothing. It just gives you, I'm already a a pretty bold person, but this just makes my bold go to a whole nother level and um but yeah, this is what you what you need to do because it's a hard work advocacy in any sense, but it's a great work, it's a hard work and it's a hard work, but it just makes me there's nothing i'm a I'm a huge advocate, and that's just the way it is. so she's counting on us so we can't stay down. you can't who's gonna take care of our child who's So you just get on back up. You dust yourself off, a little more information, a little, okay, maybe that didn't work. And then you just keep on moving. That's what you just keep on, keep on moving. Yeah. Some of the things I speak about in my book, again, really building a foundation. Um, And again, they're not, they're, they're not, they're not difficult things. So, for instance, when you're a special needs, you know, parent of a special needs child, again, meetings are your life. So, things I would say, you got to show up. You have to show up, and your voice needs to be heard. Those are things that I talk about, and in there, I list out different things that are just some basic things to do. You know, show up to the meetings. Um, if you need a person, if you're feeling, you know, go with uh, a person with you. So again, if you have a spouse, have them go. If you have a sister or brother, go, you know, go with somebody if you don't think so, um, that you can handle that on your own. Um, take notes. That was like the biggest thing is like take a notebook because you're not going to remember all this stuff. Now, sometimes, many times it's emotional that you have a, you know, the teaching team, as I said, most of the times these meetings Um, it's you, if you're by yourself or maybe two of y'all, but then there's a teaching team of like at least six people telling you about your child, telling you things that your child might not be able to do this. It's emotional. Even though you know that your child can't do these things, it still hits your heart. It's your child. It's still your child. So, and you're not going to remember everything. So take a note. The other thing is that signals to the teaching team, I'm not playing. So I would sit here, <laughs> I'm not playing. Because then I would write my notes, even though they're like, oh, we, we take notes. And I'm like, yes, and so do I. Um, so I would get the names of them. So I would know who it was. And if I didn't, I said, can you spell that name again? So it sends, sends a signal. So back to your boldness, you got to let them know, yes, we are a team. I love that you're helping my daughter, we are doing this thing, but if something happens to go awry, we're going to circle back around because we're going to need to get what we need to get. So that's a very basic, but take a notebook because it sends a, it sends a signal. So I talk about that. Um, And the way that I wrote the book, I'm a mom. I'm a busy mom. And that's how I wrote it. We're busy. We don't have time to be doing a lot of reading. We don't have that time. So it's really a very easy, it's bullet points. So when you just happen to go into chapter, so you go into the elementary chapter, you'll just see little bullet points about, take a note, do this, blah, blah,
1: blah. So I'm convinced I have a child that's, I have a special needs child that's getting ready to start elementary school. So I buy your book. So, is the book enough? What if I have other questions?
0: Congratulations on your child getting ready to go off to elementary school. I believe the way that I wrote the book as a mom just made it very simple and easy and bulleted. However, if you do want more information, I really invite you to visit my website, which is eveconnection.com. And there's a lot of great information there. But you also, uh, there's also a place where you can actually get on my mailing list as more information comes out. So either way, between the book, the website, I think you're going to be way covered. You can also visit the contact form on the website and I can respond to your question there.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode. Additional information from author Erica Ryder can be found on the website eveconnection.com. If you'd like to buy a copy for yourself or a copy from a friend of her workbook, My Sister's Keeper, for moms to help their child with special needs thrive, you can get this on the website at eveconnection.com slash book or by visiting Amazon to get the Kindle version. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode.